morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Hey folks, welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here, back. I was sick last week, but it's, it's good to be here. And I'm looking across the, the table here at, at Karen McClellan. She's looking good. She's got a really bright, colorful shirt on with parrots on it. So I'm, I'm out-shirted here at the studio because uh, Tom has a, a beautiful Arizona Cardinal designer T-shirt or whatever it is. And uh, here I am. Um Getting seriously, uh, we're starting to really talk to a lot of statewide candidates. Karen, I know you're you're the one who really uh, contacts mm-hmm. them and stuff. Um, we have a great candidate, the Democrats do, for treasurer. So, uh, Karen, if you'd introduce him, that yeah. would be great. Yeah, uh, we've got Senator Martin Quezada on the air today. Um, and Senator Quezada is a lawyer. He's also been a school board member in a West Phoenix district since 2011, and he was a member of the legislature from 2015 until right now. So he's been a member of the Democratic leadership down there, a really strong voice on public education, just a really strong voice on all the Democratic issues that we always talk about. And he's running for state treasurer. Now, we all think treasurer is one of those offices most of us don't think about, we forget about, because we never hear what the treasurer does. But as Martin will talk about that when he's on, there's a lot of things the state treasurer can do to influence, you know, the future of Arizona and and do some things. So Martin, a chance to talk about that as well. But we're going to start out and you want to say a few words about yourself, anything else in your background, and why you're running for treasurer this year. Yeah. Uh, well, first, thank thank you, Karen and Steve, for having me on the show. It's I've been really looking forward to uh, uh, to appearing on this show. Um, it's a great show, and, and I'm, I'm anxious to get on here. Uh, but my name is Martin Casada. I, I represent the people of West Phoenix and Glendale in what is now District 29 as their state senator, and I serve as a school board member as well. And like you said, I've been an attorney for the last uh, uh, 14 years. Um, and uh, I decided to run for treasurer uh, earlier uh, uh, last year, earlier in the summer, when a couple of the county treasurers approached me, uh, and I had worked with them on legislation over the last several years, uh, while I was in the Senate, uh, and they asked me to consider running for this office. Um, I studied the office over the summer, and I realized that, it, that there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, and since I was terming out of the Senate, it seemed like a good transition point and uh, an opportunity uh, to do some good for the people of Arizona. Yeah, I, I noticed that you've run in a lot of elections, uh, Martin, and seem to have won a lot of times in in uh, as a state senator and as a state representative. So you you've been through the electoral contest a bunch of times, right? Starting with I school have, board, yeah. yeah. And and taking on um, treasurer is is a jump because you you're you go from representing a district, which you do now, to representing the whole state. And it's in a lot of ways it's managing a very technical process, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it is. It, it's a much different role uh, that I'm going for now. Um, you know, and originally I represented a, a, an urban district in Maricopa County. And now I'm looking to represent the whole state of Arizona with all of its different 
political differences and and the role of the treasurer um, uh, ideally should be much less political, much less partisan, uh, and much more technical. Well, tell us a little bit about the job because I think as, as I think as Karen, we were talking before the show, a lot of people don't have a good fix on what it is the treasurer does. I mean, they understand the treasurer, he's going to handle money, but what else, what else, what else, what's involved in the treasurer's job in some detail? Tell us. Yeah, and, and I think that's what, um, that's what I've been having to do on the campaign trail uh, throughout Arizona is really educate people a lot about what this office does and, and that it even exists. Uh, but the treasurer uh, basically serves three main roles uh, in our state government. Uh, number one, you're the chief banker. Number two, you're the chief investment officer. And number three, you're the chief financial officer. Um, so as the banker, uh, you after you pay your taxes, the Department of Revenue collects that money. Uh, it goes to the treasurer, and the treasurer banks it and makes sure that money goes where it's supposed to go. Um, as the chief investment officer, you're in charge of investing uh, over a $23 billion portfolio uh, for the people of Arizona. Uh, and that's where you have some power, and that's where you have uh, some opportunity to influence um, policy by where you choose to invest that money and how you choose to make uh, our money work for us. Uh, so you can really uh, have an opportunity to invest in the things that the people of Arizona care about, the things that will protect our planet, the things that will advance our economy, all while protecting that money and bringing a good uh, return on that investment as well. Uh, and lastly, you're the chief financial officer. So you have an opportunity to really be the, the voice, the voice for the people of Arizona on all matters that are financial in nature. Um, you should be speaking out about uh, every financial issue in, in the state of Arizona, from the from budget proposals in the legislature to the use of ARPA funds by the governor to uh, voucher proposals and, and how they impact uh, our, our our public education funding system. Uh, so all those things you should be a voice on. You'd actually be a, a voice uh, for the people for on different issues. You could even contradict, say, the governor's choice in spending or at least explain it in, uh, in more detail so people understand what it is. Um, I hope, of course, we have a, a Democratic governor, and I uh, trust that we will, but you never know. And um, so you, as chief investment officer, I mean, what kind of investments can uh, the government do? It has to be very conservative investments. I mean, you can't. You can't speculate on funds and stuff, but how do you control the mix of investment so that you have so that our funds are safely invested for whatever period of time, <laughs> probably some of them pretty short um, exist yeah and and so and that's where you know the the biggest the biggest role is is that that chief investment um, officer uh, role there and so and so in that sense uh, you, you you have three main priorities you want to Number one, keep the money safe. Last thing you want to do is lose the people's money. Uh, but number two, you want to uh, you want to keep it you keep it liquid, appropriate level of liquidity as well, so that we can make our government function. You need to have that money available, uh, you know, and not locked up in a long term investment, uh, so that we can actually get our teachers paid and and get our government functioning. Uh, and lastly, you want to bring a a good return on that investment. You want to bring in a good yield uh, on that investment. And so. Uh, in that sense, that's where where you can balance all of those factors uh, and choose where you invest, choose what you invest in, 
and also consider um, the opportunity costs as well and, and, and uh, secondary costs on the taxpayer. Uh, and that's where you really should be considering things like the impact on our environment, uh, the impact on our society, uh, and, and, and how those costs affect us as well. So you've talked before about you know, the opportunity to, let's say, shift investments away from fossil fuels towards alternate energy, you know, to look at the types of industries that the uh, we're investing in, the type of stocks that are being purchased, and you know, look at sort of some of that and have maybe an impact on, you know, putting a, where the let the money go with what the people of Arizona rank as their priorities. Right. Yes. Exactly. And 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 that's exactly I think what. What needs to change in, in the treasurer's office right now is is we need to be considering, um, you know, the, the massive threat that climate change is having on our planet right now. You know, we're, we're in a very precarious situation, not only in terms of climate change and, and the 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 uh, impacts on 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 the weather that's happening on our on our communities and our economy, uh, but also uh, the the massive crisis that we're having with water here in our state right now. Um, you know, all of those are factors that should be considered when you are preparing that investment portfolio and choosing where you, you invest the people's money. Are there sort of options on the, the what, what rules have to be followed on the kinds of companies that are invested in, in you know, directing some of this to areas where people are probably directing it towards, you know, some companies that are, that are water conscious and conserving water versus companies that are not conserving it, wasting it. Those that are working in the state, is that something that, those issues that can be taken into account on making those decisions and maybe helping, you know, there's a lot of money that could be invested to sort of, you know, helping to prop, you know, help smaller companies become bigger ones by investing in right. their stocks. Is that, or is that on the risk yeah, side? Yeah, no, no, that, and that's a, that's a great question because, um, you know, there are no, there are no like official rules about that. So right now, if like what our current treasurer is doing, is she not considering those environmental impacts or those water impacts at all when she's making those investment decisions. But uh, you could implement your own rules about that. You could really evaluate those factors uh, and make a determination on, on the risk that, that those factors play on that investment. Uh, and the reality is, I mean, that, that, that's a sound financial strategy is to consider those risks, those environmental impacts, uh, the, the use of water, uh, the, the, the way that, that companies treat their employees uh, and the way they pay their employees. Those, those are those are risks that should be considered if you are effectively managing uh, a good portfolio. Uh, and so uh, what I would do if I was in that office is I would really implement a lot of those analyses so that we can consider all of those factors when we decide where we, uh, where we, dis- where we uh, invest our money. But if it's not a sound business, then you wouldn't invest in it, right? I mean, if it, if it, if it's all, if it all seems correct in one way, but it doesn't, is not producing a, a profit, would you, would you still invest in it or not? Well, yeah, and, and that's, that's another great question, you know, and so, um, not necessarily yes and not necessarily no. Um, I think, you know, what, what, what you want to have is you want to have your options. I want to have the option to invest anywhere and everywhere. There may be a situation where, where we would need to invest uh, in a company that's not as good uh, in, in terms of its environmental impact. But for the other considerations, uh, remember the safety, the liquidity, uh, and the yield, you know, those are, those are the primary considerations. And so when you balance all of those factors together, you know, there may be a situation where you do need to invest 
in, in, a, in a corporation, that, that is not as good on the environment. But in general, uh, when you're looking at it from a bigger perspective, if you are considering those environmental factors, the majority of your investments are going to go towards those companies that are treating our environment better, that are considering their impact on the climate, that are treating their communities well, because in general, those are safer and more effective investments. Yeah, our last couple of treasurers are names that probably nobody would know except that one of them was, was Governor Ducey, who went from treasurer to governor. But his his uh, treasurers, while he's been in office, one left uh, to work for President Trump, I believe, and our you know current treasurer, Kimberly Yee, spent the first two-plus years in office running for governor. Yeah, and I, sure. I, so I, I've, I've, have any of those people actually taken an active role in investment, or have they just sort of let things go the way they've always been and sort of focus on their personal political careers versus the state. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that, that's really, I think, what motivated me to run uh, was when I looked at the past, the past three treasurers we've had, um, they've all used this office as a parking place or as a stepping stone to run for higher office. Uh, or to you know go serve in a in a presidential administration and and I don't think that's right you know I think that you know if you're truly invested in this office and, and I use that term you know with that double entendre on, on purpose but you know if, if you're invested in this office you're going to spend the time uh, really preparing a good investment portfolio and really taking advantage of the opportunity you have to have an impact on the the, the financial stability of our state in all sorts of different ways and. And when I look at the opportunities that are in that office, there's a whole lot that a, an active and an engaged state treasurer could be doing uh, to improve lives for the people of Arizona. The, unfortunately, our past few treasurers just haven't been taking advantage of that opportunity at all because they've been using this office to serve their personal political interests instead. Would you commit to staying for the whole term of the office? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm elected by the people, I'm going to stay there, uh, and uh, and I'm going to serve each day as if as if it is my last day, because uh, I'm going to serve with urgency, and and that's how I've served in the Senate. That's how I served in the House. That's how I serve on the school board. Is is I treat every day as if I need to do things today. I need to get things done now, uh, because you know the, our 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 children can't wait. You know, we need to improve things for and make people's lives better now. Uh, and so uh, I have that opportunity. If the voters bless me with it, I'm going to take full advantage of it. Because yeah. it has been kind of a, sorry, Karen, it has been kind of a swinging door. It has been used by people basically headed somewhere else. Ducey is a good example. Uh, what did he do when he was treasurer? Well, nobody knows, but he used the being treasurer's office to become governor. And we had other people go to the, the wonderful Trump administration, where I'm sure they uh, uh, did champion things, and we had Kimberly. E. Is she did she well? How could she run for office in the way she seemed to be running and still manage the office of treasurer? I mean, how could she do anything different or interesting, or how could she monitor things with her the, completely engaged as she seemed to be in running for another office while she was in there? Yeah, right. And, and you know, I've, I've served in the in the Senate for the last eight years, and I can tell you that since she was elected treasurer, you know, we as a senator, we we didn't hear much of anything from her office at all. Yeah, it's almost as if that office didn't exist. Uh, and you know, during her her own primary Republican primary debate, uh, they did a public records request on her uh, her ID check in card for her office. 
uh, and they discovered that she was checking into the office only 10 times in, in the last six months. Uh, you know, so that's like basically once every two weeks. Um, so what that demonstrates is that she was effectively running for governor the whole time instead of, of actively managing and, and supervising that office. Uh, and so she basically had that office on autopilot and on cruise control while she was campaigning for governor. Uh, I think the people deserve better than that. I don't think that's asking for too much. Once every two weeks, she shows up in the office. Well, yeah, exactly. well, 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 that's, I mean, that's sort of like uh, uh, Soviet Russia. You yeah. know, I, you will show up every few weeks and collect my salary and boss people around, then I'll move on. Um, right. That's, um, that's kind of, you know, at the one extreme end, to use your office quite that way, I mean, um, to you'd think that she would at least come in once a week, you know, not <laughs> right, not every two weeks. Well, and you know, there's some statewide offices like Treasurer, Superintendent of Public Instruction, where you know you don't have the final say, let's say, over money and um, what's coming in. You're not the person running the tax law. The Superintendent of Public Instruction is not the person making all of the mm-hmm. education policy. But in in those sort of jobs, you have the bully pulpit. You have the chance to speak about. The you know the financial issues of Arizona, the future of Arizona, you know the this the way the budget should go, and those things because people have to listen to you if you're the treasurer. You can talk to the legislature. You got you, you know you can make speeches that people listen to. You can do a lot of of that effect in your office if you're out there talking to the people. And she didn't do yeah, hardly any exactly. of that. Exactly, yeah. and and I think that you know that's that role, that's that third role, that that chief financial officer role where where you're the voice uh, for the people of Arizona, the same way the, the attorney general speaks on legal issues, the superintendent speaks on education issues, our secretary of state speaks on elections issues, the treasurer should be speaking about financial issues. And you think, you know, who's the chief financial officer in any corporation? You know, whenever that person speaks about the money issues in that corporation, people listen. Uh, and so for the state of Arizona, the chief financial officer should be speaking out about the use of our public's money and whether it's good or bad. Uh, and educating the public about that so that we can hold um, our policymakers accountable for it. Even just tell people how it's being spent. Have a have a press conference, and even in, and maybe bring a couple of aides and explain how the money is being uh, spent and what what you're doing as treasurer. I think it'd be handy for you know even if, a, if you were followed by a republican treasurer if you if we got out a little more information about what the treasurer does and and doesn't do and if you you were able to explain like how the money was being spent so arizonans would get a and, and i know we're that's kind of wonky and i know there's a lot of people not want to listen to it but i think that, uh, that i think you could really articulate martina how the money's being spent and used yeah, I, I mean, I agree, and I think that you know that that's that's a key element of my campaign is I, I want to increase transparency about what the government is doing with our money, uh, and and you should be able to do that without you know having having to have an accounting degree to understand it either, and so you know, I want to put that in simple terms. I want to I want to share that information so that ultimately so that you you the voters can hold your elected leaders accountable for the use of that money, and if you don't think we're doing the right thing with that money. Uh, I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to tell you where it is, where it's going, uh, and then you can make the decision at the ballot box uh, about what to what to do next. 
Yeah, because we talk often about transparency when it comes to more local levels. You know, the mayor, a mayor's race, a school board race, a county supervisor, you know, being transparent about spending the public's money at that level is often part of those races. And we talk about it a lot. You know, when we had a mayor's race here in Sedona, it's active now. And, and the budget of the city and how the city spends its money is a major factor in that election right. but it doesn't it's it does seem to sort of disappear into the background when we talk at state level and we should be talking about those things yeah it all seems politics martine and the state level and not the governmental explanation and i know looking at your uh, your background you have had a lot of experience in government you've served a lot of roles on lots of different committees in the legislature you're up on how government works how finances are are managed and so i think that that would that, could you could you bring that kind of energy to the to the treasurer's office? Yeah, you yeah, absolutely. I, and and I love that you use the term energy because uh, you know that that's what I feel like I've done as a senator. Um, I felt like I brought energy uh, to that to that process, uh, and that's why I want to do in the treasurer's office as well. I think that there's a lot of energy we could be bringing to this office. Um, you know, I'm going to be checking in every all day, every day. I'm going to be a full-time treasurer. I'm not going to be there once every two weeks. Uh, so when you're there full-time, not only do you have the staff around you, your full staff of 35 people, you know, operating at a higher at a higher capacity, uh, but then you're able to be creative and imaginative with what else you do with that office. And there's all sorts of things that I think we could be doing if we were acting with energy and urgency, uh, improving our financial literacy efforts, uh, uh, finding ways to advocate uh, for the legislature to invest directly in our kids, uh, and doing all sorts, and just being a voice for the good use of money. Yeah, because you got, a, like I said, you got that bully pulpit that people will listen to. You, yeah, will listen to you, and you can make you know, make it make a difference that way. It does sometimes seen over the years in Arizona that the governor may be out there speaking loud with a voice, but a lot of those other elected officials sort of fade into the background and don't really take advantage of the fact that they, just by giving a speech, holding a press conference, talking, they can, if they can't Im- immediately change the direction, they can certainly change the conversation and the questions yeah, that are being at, asked. At least participate in it. I, I think that, that's, that, that, that Karen has a good point is that what happens is you have the attorney general says things and you have the governor saying things and pretty much everybody else doesn't get into the public issue. I, I know the, the, the uh, what would you call it? I mean, I know the issues are not as sexy as some sort of political fight. You know, you're talking about how to how to spend the money and where you're investing it. And I know that, you know, there are a certain number of people who are going to zone out. But I'd love to have you on the show when you win and come in and just we'll do a whole 45 minutes on how, how, how you do stuff and what you're doing. Because I think when you get in office, it's important to. To get back to people and tell them what exactly you, you're doing. So, you know, after yeah. a year in office, come and talk to us again. Yeah, because yeah, a couple of the issues, like the one little side issue on money, which there's, you know, for example, the current treasurers have always been signing about. There are issues and things right now with schools. Every All of your Republican counterparts back in the legislature are all running on all this money they added to the budget for public schools while ignoring the fact that there is this artificial spending limit, like, you know, analogous to the federal debt limit that the legislature last year had to, and this year, again, will have to override or a bunch of that money can't be spent because of a limit 
I think the voters did vote in it, but they voted on it back in 1980. And that seems to be exactly the kind of issue the treasurer should be out there educating people about and looking at that because that's an issue that definitely needs discussion regardless of where you fall on the issue of funding public education. You know, the government should not. I think that, you know, yeah, Karen, that's a perfect example. That is exactly the type of issue that I think our current state treasurer should should be speaking about, if not educating the people or advocating for the override of that aggregate expenditure limit. That's a perfect example. And our treasurer has been completely silent about that issue. Yeah, that issue is one, again, that that may have obviously made sense to the voters back in 1980 because they did approve it. But 1980 was a long time ago in the finances of Arizona, the population, everything. You know, the, you know Arizona is a completely different state than it was in 1980. And we should be, yeah, rather than, thinking, old, yeah. than having yeah. our hands tied by 19, we should be looking ahead on what Arizona should, should be in 2030. Every, we should be looking ahead, not, you know. That's not the only one backwards. of those, yeah. those uh, yeah. uh, rules that really tie us up and, 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 well, how many people were in Arizona in 1980 compared to now? A lot the population, less. <laughs> you know, has, has doubled and and uh, and, yeah. and grows further and further. <clears throat> I guess the treasurer couldn't do anything, but I look at Phoenix. I go down to visit uh, family down there, and um, uh, it's just getting hotter and hotter. And is 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 it possible to to replan the city so that it can deal with the uh, global uh, heat and climate change? Well, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Stephen, because, you know, the, the, the impact on our climate and, cl- and fighting, combating climate change, I think, is one of the primary roles of the state treasurer. And that is where you can have a major impact on protecting our planet, combating climate change, conserving water, uh, and that is one of the, the issues that our current treasurer is really digging her heels in to oppose. She doesn't want to consider those risks. And when you, when you choose to invest money, uh, and we were talking billions of dollars, uh, investing money in corporations that are going to take active steps to combat climate change and protect our planet, that's how you make a difference. And other states are doing that. Arizona should be as well. And And the importance of that is, it's hard to underestimate, overestimate, I guess, um, because you don't want to contribute. We don't want public policy contributing to the problems of climate change. We don't want the investments of the state be investments that make the situation particularly, I'm, I'm thinking of, the, uh, of Maricopa County, make the situation worse down there. Because for somebody coming down from Sedona, it looks kind of fragile. I mean, it's this huge, powerful urban area, but the climate is getting worse and worse, and right. uh, uh, and the water supplies are getting less and less, and and you, you you certainly don't want, you know, like what is a Hippocratic oath, first do no harm. You want investments that don't do any harm, right? At least start right. with that. Yeah, and that's why we, yeah. we, we hope that this year that there's, you know, you and, and others down there as well so people can sort of look at that, you know, that issue from all sides and see, you know, see what can be done. I mean, I'm, you know, we're not experts, but there are, I'm sure there are many things that, that could be done if there was a political will to look at, at changes, not just in investments, in other public policy, you know, and in the issues of water, you know, there are things in, within the state where we essentially export water 
you know, the issues of, of the, was it La Paz County where there are farms where the, the Saudi government is basically you know, growing crops and growing gas in there. So we're sort of exporting our water to Saudi Arabia because the, what's being grown is all exported out of the country. And there's other, exactly. I think there's a lot of areas where a, a coordinated effort by the various statewide offices, the legislature, you know, could spark some serious discussion to look at what is possible to make a change. Where can you make a change? Where, you know, where is it not something the state can do, but the state should be up there as a major thing talking about this all the time. So in a way, the office has been kind of sleepy, Martine, and what you would bring to it is energy and, and a willingness to innovate while being careful, of course, with the public money. I mean, we, we don't want to lose any of our, our uh, uh, tax dollars. But you could bring some energy to it and some new ideas to an office that's kind of just sitting there in a lot of ways and, and, and doing a routine that it's been doing for, for 20, 30 years. And, and having leadership that just kind of comes and goes and is using it as a path through <laughs> to higher office. I mean, it's, it's time to have a, you know, a real treasurer focused on running the treasury as best it possibly can. That's my speech. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you're welcome to borrow it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, one, no, I, I think yeah. uh, I, I, I'm glad you, you say that because I, I think this is an opportunity for Arizona to really recreate this office uh, and turn it into something different and and set a standard and uh, uh, an example for future treasurers. You know, of whatever party, uh, we can set the standard for how all future treasurers should be measured. Yeah, now, as well as running for treasurer, I know you're also running for re-election to your school board. And we'll just take a little segue for a minute. That also is, you know, we talk all the time here in lots of places about voting up the ballot, down the ballot. Look at every office on the ballot. And the one office in quite a number of school districts in Arizona this year that really is important is who you elect to your school board. School board races are another ones that sometimes sort of float in the background. They aren't really contested. But this year with... You know, basically conspiracy theories about us teaching consp- uh, critical race theory, conspiracy theories about what teachers are teaching in, in issues of sexuality and uh, just mask requirements, vaccine requirements. There's a lot of conspiracy theories floating out there, and there seem to be a lot of people running for school board in Arizona running on the basis of a conspiracy theory. So do you have any sort of comments and thoughts? And besides reminding everybody to find out who your board member candidates are and think before you vote. <laughs> and what yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. A great point. I am up for re-election for my school board this year. And you know, Karen uh, and, and Steve, I... I but the first office I ever got elected to was a school board. And then I later got into the legislature, and everyone always asked me, why do you stay on the school board uh, when you're serving in a bigger, sexier office like the legislature? And the reason why is because that school board is more important uh, than the legislature is. I'm able to get more work done at that school board level. I'm able to have a bigger impact on my neighborhood at that school board level. So this is a critically, critically important office, uh, and uh, we need voters to pay attention uh, to who's running for these offices, because this is becoming a very politicized office right now, uh, and and we're in danger of having our school boards taken over uh, by some some really radical extreme uh, politicians, uh, much like the ones that are running at the top of the ticket. So yeah, please vote up and down the ballot for sure. Uh, yeah, and and for those people, some of those guys running, or some of those candidates. Uh, <laughs> 
facts just don't matter. It doesn't matter that there isn't anyone teaching critical race theory. They're still campaigning right. against teaching it, even though it's not being taught. Yeah, we've seen. And yeah. So what can you do at that point when you it? it nothing you say. <clears throat> folks is going to change those folks' mind. <clears throat> so what you have to do is vote for sensible yeah. candidates. You don't have to be super liberal or anything, but vote for, for, for sensible, intelligent candidates who are actually focused on the issue and not somebody who's dreaming about some great conspiracy that well, they we have can to, yeah. get rid of. Statewide office, you've got Mark Fincham running for Secretary of State who believes that the 2020 election was fraudulent and stolen and that Donald Trump really won the state of Arizona. And you've got Tom Horn running for Superintendent of Public Instruction saying he will he – will, uh, outlaw the teaching of critical race theory in, in K-12 where it isn't taught. So we've got at least, you know, some of these people really running, who are living in almost an alternate world, and they're running on issues, and one wonders if they get elected, what are they going to do? Because they can't do what they were running on, because it's it's either imaginary or it isn't there. There's no way to rerun the 2020 election in 2022 or 2023. It's a good point that... <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that, yeah. that uh, that you and, and a lot of the other Democratic fan, uh, candidates are actually focusing on the future of Arizona and uh, and not uh, conspiracies of, uh, about things in the past. Um, the only thing I just in my, my opinion, folks, and this is not Martins or Karen, is the only real thing you can do with conspiracy theory, folks, is you, know, you can discuss with them and argue it. It never seems to have the facts don't seem to matter is to get out and vote and support sensible education, support it and having intelligent people in office. Protect your teachers from being abused by people coming to and denouncing them for 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 imaginary offenses or exaggerated stuff. You, you, you need to be proactive in supporting what is good in our government. Um, and I, I think if Martin was is wins, and I trust that he will, he would be a good example of somebody who could bring sensible, well organized, well thought through. Governance with uh, he's a gentleman with a, a lot of experience in government. He's not coming in from the outside claiming he knows everything, um, and I think that's that's a good that that that's I think is very strong, one of his strong points. Um, on that note, <laughs> Martin, um, tell us a little more about you came you came from an area in Phoenix called Maryville Maryvale which I had never heard of, not being originally from Arizona and moving up here to Sedona. And it's a community you still connect with emotionally and, 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 and physically. Yes, yes, no, no, definitely. I, I was, <clears throat> I was born here and, and Maryvale is a, is a community in, in West Phoenix. Uh, and if you're from Phoenix, you, you know this area, but I was born here, uh, went to school here and I've lived here for most of my life. Um, and it's the district uh, that I represent now in the state senate, and part of the school board as well. So uh, it's my home. It's it's a highly uh, it's a highly uh, diverse uh, community. Uh, the highest percentage of Latinos live in this area. Uh, there's a high immigrant population, a high refugee population. Uh, it's a community of working working class uh, people. It, this is what Arizona really looks like. And you and you stuck with it. You're not. You didn't go off somewhere. You stuck with your with your roots in the community that you were born into. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I, I take pride in that because um, it's kind of kind of the same way that you see with politicians in elected office, like like Kimberly Yee, who, you know, she got into an office and she immediately started looking to move somewhere else. But um, I've always been focused on where I'm at now, and, and I want to improve my hometown. I want to improve my district. I want to improve the office that I'm in right now and make the most of that office. I'm not looking to, to go somewhere else. Um, I'm looking to stay here and improve things for the people here. Sorry about that. We had a phone ringing <laughs> here in the here. office. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and the uh, yeah you rep- the area that you represent is a lot of Arizona. We know that Arizona, you know, well, you know children in Arizona. We already have a, a majority of of students who are not white, and that way they're Hispanic. Um, they're refugees from various places. They're Native Americans. You know, they're they're Black Americans. There's a variety of things, and that's sort of the direction Arizona's trending. And that's the sort of community you grew up in, with representing all of those different groups. And we right. too, we too often forget that that the demographics of Arizona are changing. That's like I said, you know, the demographics of 1980 when we voted in that. Uh, expenditure limit for schools not only was the financial political climate different but the demographics of the state were quite different and we become yes, a, a very exactly. di- a very different state and it's it's you know hard things to balance we see that up in our area we have a title one school district because our students are not wealthy but the retirees here are wealthy and lots of arizona has these various groups of people and it's you know, it seems to me that the, our politicians haven't done a great job of trying to look for the future to involve all of those different groups into the, into Arizona, all of the demographic groups to include the Native American tribes into the state government and look at those issues rather than sort of focusing on you know a small group of people. And, and you know, Karen, uh, 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 and it, it all kind of ties back again to this treasurer's office because. That's exactly what good financial strategy as well. Uh, you want to diversify your p- portfolio. The more diverse your portfolio is, the stronger your portfolio is. So we should be uh, diversifying everything about our state and considering the impacts and the, and the, the input of all of those different communities. So I, we've got a <clears throat> few minutes left. Um, I guess this is a tough question, maybe, but or maybe not. Just how would you sum up your campaign uh, again, and and the issues you think are most important as treasure the treasurer should address? Yeah, uh, that that is a that is a, a big question, but uh, uh, I like it because it gives me an opportunity to to really kind of sum everything up for for voters uh, in your area. But uh, you know, th- this office is uh, it's it's. It's very similar to what's happening with the Secretary of State's office. This is an office where you should have someone who's professional, responsible, ethical, and moral, who's in there just doing the the work of the people. Uh, And you shouldn't be bringing partisan politics into this office. We've seen the Secretary of State's office get highly politicized with uh, election conspiracies uh, and that. The same thing is happening in the Treasurer's office with uh, the investment of our money now. Uh, they're bringing their partisan politics into that decision-making, and that is bad money management. That is bad investment strategy. So if we're going to protect our money, we need to keep that radical politics out. Uh, my campaign is focusing on that. My campaign is running a strong uh, campaign. This is the strongest uh, treasurer's race campaign that I think we've seen in Arizona for a long time uh, because I'm active. I'm out there running my own campaign. I'm not riding the coattails of any other statewide candidate. I'm raising my own money and I'm doing it competitively. Uh, and I'm campaigning hard and, and we're, we're, we're in it to win it. 
Um, and I think we have a real opportunity because uh, not a lot of money is going to get invested into this race from the Republican side. Um, they're all going to be focusing on the Senate race, the governor's race, and the Secretary of State, which is not going to leave a lot for this office. So that means that that I've got a real opportunity here uh, uh, with with competitive uh, fundraising, with competitive campaign efforts, uh, to really get in there and surprise a lot of people and win. If people want to support your campaign, if they want <clears throat> they want to give some money to your campaign, what should they do? How should yes, they do please it? go to uh, martinquesada.com. There's a link right at the top where you can contribute. You can also search for me on Act Blue. You'll be able to find me there. Uh, your contributions will go a long way in this campaign, especially because I'm targeting groups uh, of voters that the other statewide candidates aren't targeting. You know, so we're all complementing each other. So when you support my campaign, you're also going to support the governor. You're also going to support the, the, the U.S. Senate candidate. You support the Secretary of State candidate and your legislative candidates as well, because we're focused on turning out different sets of voters, uh, that are, that are interested in different issues. Uh, so, uh, your, your campaign will go a lot further when it goes to my race because, uh, each dollar is amplified because the amount of money total is much lower compared to the multi-million dollar governor races, Senate races, et cetera. Yeah, and it doesn't matter that everyone's sort of working together with one voice. I know this, uh, yeah, a lot of issues this year. And the one thing I do hear, which is good for most of the candidates I've heard speak in person, is that they are reminding everyone said, to, to vote, look at your ballot, vote up, vote down, you know, vote for, vote, you know, basically vote for all the Democrats, look at them and, and look at that because the Democrats on several of these offices like yours and Secretary of State are looking forward and telling the voters, this is what I'll do in the next, you know, the next four years if you elect me. This is what Arizona should be a decade from now, as opposed to looking backward and fighting battles of the past over again. Let's tell listeners right. once again, Martine, where, where they can go if they want to make a contribute to your campaign. So this is where you could go if you want to do something to help energize the, the, um, the yeah. office. Where should they go and, and how does it work? You go, go to your website? Please go to my website, martinquesada.com, or search for me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, any of those channels, uh, or search for me on Act Blue as well. Okay. Uh, do we have time for a last question? How are we doing? we got two minutes. Well, you've got two minutes to sum up uh, your campaign again. Here's the... Uh, Here's the sum, I would say. Uh, to me, um, you know, all of those dollars that the state treasurer invests, uh, they are using them as nothing more than numbers on a spreadsheet to advance a partisan political agenda. Uh, to me, those aren't numbers on a spreadsheet. Those represent your values. They represent our children. They represent our future. Uh, and I'm going to treat them as such. Uh, and I'm going to go in there. I'm going to act with urgency uh, and with empathy uh, to do what's good for the people of Arizona. Uh, and you will be able to count on me the same way you've been able to count on me as your state senator for the last eight years. Um, we should thank some of our supporters. Karen, uh, Democrats of Red Rock have a yearly picnic coming up. Yeah, we have a Democrats who have their annual picnic coming up on Sunday, October 2nd. Uh, Martine will be there. We've invited all the statewide candidates. I couldn't tell you for sure who is able to come, though. Obviously, running statewide, you have a lot of uh, calls on your time, but it's going to be at um, the Barbara Anderson Park there off of uh, 
<laughs> my mind's going Posse Ground Roads and it's on Sunday afternoon and there will be obviously um, there's a small charge for food but a chance to come and see the state candidates local candidates and hopefully uh, congressional candidates and you know, Senate candidates lots as well. of other Democrats Not, that you, you haven't of, seen for a while yeah we haven't had since we haven't had a lot of things in person, and a great chance to talk to the friends you haven't seen before. Meet some new Democrats. If you are hearing this and you think you're the only Democrat on your street in the Verde Valley, come to the picnic and find out different. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, if folks, if you don't live in Sedona, come to the picnic. It's a great thing to. It's a yeah. great thing to do. <clears throat> We'd also like to thank uh, El Portal and uh, the Avapai County Democrats for all their support. You can listen to this show as a podcast on vvid.org. Thank you. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.